Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. How beautiful was that worship? Joe, Joe Carroll, how beautiful was that last song? I saw you with your hands up. Joe, I'm looking forward to heaven. Ros there is made for heaven. Earth is okay, but I've got to tell you, I am totally created for heaven. All right, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hello, onlineers. Great to have you with us too. All right, I want to do a quick survey. When you vote, who takes all the papers from all the party representatives? Don't you feel guilty about the paper wastage? <laughs> who just walks past the others and takes the one that they're voting for? Okay, obviously the other, others of you aren't voting. You take nothing. I saw a few people yesterday taking nothing. I thought they were so brave. I thought they're going to trust the Holy Spirit and say, tick this box. Um, You've got to practice your expression though, don't you? Because I still smile at the people that I'm not voting for. I walk past and go, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't want them to feel rejected. All right. Um, last of our three-week series on discipleship. At Macquarie, we encourage you as you journey towards Christ to do these three things. Look up, lean in, and reach out. Look up, love Christ first. Here's your source. Lean in. You belong to a body. You're in a family of God, so lean in. You don't want to be like the family member that comes to Christmas and only brings a packet of corn, corn chips and never volunteers to clean up. You know, when you're in the family of God, you want to volunteer, lean in, at least bring a potato salad. And uh, interestingly enough, lean in and take responsibility for your own growth. Listen to this scripture, great scripture, Philippians 2.12. Continue to work out your own salvation with a passive attitude. When you're not too busy, Ros will take care of it. No, no, with fear and trembling. Your salvation and my salvation cost a lot. It costs Christ everything, so he wants us to take it seriously. So good on you. Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, being in church. So maturity is having these th those three, really. Depth in your Christian life is having look up, which is what we've just done, lean into the family of God and reach out. One of those you'll be more passionate about. You think, Ross, you should have done a three-week series on look up, forget about reach out. But let me tell you, if you forget about reach out, you'll end up being a bit of a fruitcake. You'll be in a bubble at church, nothing like non-Christians and being out there in the world to give you a good perspective. And some people are all about reach out, but they don't care about the church. Who cares about the church? No, no. Christ died for the church. So you've got to have all three. You've got to be balanced. Like the five food groups, remember? Balanced. All right. Start with a snapshot of culture and what culture we are reaching out to, because today I'm talking about reach out. At the moment in Australia... This won't surprise you, but Christianity is declining. The data says each generation is becoming less Christian. The baby boomers must have turned them off. I don't know what happened. More than two-thirds of the churches in Australia have plateaued or are in decline. There are no moral absolutes in today's culture. There is no sacred order with which we can all align in the 50s and 60s. The culture, our culture had similar beliefs about sexuality ethics, worldview, but we don't have that anymore. We've rubbed out the Christian, the judo-Christian ethics. We are polarised. Our challenge as a culture 
is now how to build a cohesive society without any common set of moral, shared moral values. And across our nation, you can see different people protesting, can't you? Protesting against that group, protesting against that group. My rights, my rights, my rights, because we're polarised. Technology has radically changed us. I used to watch one hour, of, I was allowed one hour TV a day. I used to watch the Brady Bunch. Here's a story of a man named, yes, go Donna. And you know, that Brady Bunch have the same values as my family. But that's not the case anymore. Now our culture, we are immersed 24 seven in technology. And they say this, social media doesn't merely give people different beliefs. It actually changes the very way people form them. We used to get our values from our family and from the television, same morals. But now our values, they say, because of social media, are thin and shallow. The answer for the church is not to withdraw from culture, nor it is, is it to force Christian standards and beliefs on an unwilling population, nor is it to become so relevant that the church becomes completely adapted to the culture. A Christocentric church maintains its biblical truths, especially around the sacredness of sex and the sacredness of life. It puts equal value on all races of people. It serves the poor and its neighbours, and it still preaches the cross of Christ and repentance. That's a balanced five-food church. Some Christians, in their wrestle of faith, have deconstructed their beliefs. But let me tell you something. Some people with no faith are actually deconstructing this culture. That's what I did at the age of 17. I deconstructed things that were taught to me at school and at teachers' college. They taught me that we came from apes and I couldn't get my head around it. I, what they taught me at school and at teachers' college didn't give me a sense and an understanding of life. I did the party scene from 17 to 20 and that left me disappointed. There was no substance. So I want to encourage you that a lot of people out there have started to deconstruct that culture. I deconstructed that culture. Because that culture, our culture, doesn't meet our deepest needs for meaning, for satisfaction, for freedom, for identity for forgiveness given and received. It doesn't answer the moral questions, the purpose of suffering, what happens when I die. It doesn't give us hope for the future and no one can live without hope for the future and that's why eight Aussies take their lives every day. So into our changing culture, Christ says, I've changed my mind 2,000 years later. It's too hard now, don't go. No, no. Into this culture... This hostile culture, as it was in the New Testament, he still says, go. Why? So we can brainwash people? So we can get bigger crowds? No, because Christ has a mission that burns in his heart, burns in his heart and the mission is to restore humanity. The beginning in Adam and Eve, they went their own way and the relationship was broken. And ever since that, Christ came to reconcile and restore every human being with him. He wants to give us our sense of value and dignity back. 
He wants to restore our relationships. He wants our relationships to be transformational, not transactional. He wants to give us an unshakable identity. He wants to fulfill our need for security and intimacy. And he, not, he doesn't just want to rescue us. He wants to recruit us. He wants us to recruit us into his grand, incredible mission of restoring humanity, the sons and daughters of God. There is no plan B. He's not sending aliens in two years' time. He's not going to ride across the sky, John 3.16 tonight. We are it. You are it. Us ordinary folk are it. In our raising of kids, in our everyday life, he wants us to partner with the Holy Spirit and go. So take a deep breath, regroup and go again. John 4.35 says this. Jesus said, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. But he says, I tell you, Macquarie, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're not ready. No, they are ready. They are ripe for harvest, he says. Jesus has just been talking to the woman at the well. When he told his disciples this, they were kind of stunned. They thought, why are you talking to the woman? Weren't you tired? Why didn't you have a sleep? And he's saying, no, because the harvests are ready. They mightn't have been in the last town, but right now at this well, with this woman, she was ready. So I want to give you three how-tos. Reach out. There's no formula. You're all wired differently. But I've got to tell you, also, there's no excuse. The first one is the Good Samaritan. Margin for the random act of kindness. You know the story. Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was the enemy of the Jew, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity. He was moved with compassion. Keep your heart soft. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the housekeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? Every random act of kindness you do to a stranger is a reach out. An act of kindness is someone that you've never met before. It isn't helping someone that you already know. It's not premeditated. In our travels of life, you come across a neighbour. That's what Jesus is calling him, even though you've never met him, a neighbour, and you can do an act of kindness. Why didn't the priest or Levite help? I don't know. But I think it was because they were either too busy or were too proud. Those are the two things that will stop us doing a random act of kindness. Um, if we want God to use us in the random acts of kindness, we need to stay humble. No sense of moral superiority, I'm better, or self-righteousness. The Samaritan didn't have any premeditated judgment or pre-labeling this man. He was a human, 
Just see people as human beings. I don't care if they've got five earrings coming out of their head, tattoos all over their face or what. They're a human being. Tim Keller says this, when we lose the doctrinal truth that we are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, because of Christ alone, we lose our graciousness and we fall into pride. As Christians, we have to move away from dominance and control and move towards love and service. If we don't, we show that we don't really believe the gospel that we preach. And if the church doesn't believe the gospel, why should the world? The last thing is you need margin. To do the acts of kindness, you need margin. About 18 months ago, I was taking my dog for a walk and I met this lady in the park and we got on really well and she opened up. She started telling me about a cancer scan she was having. And uh, I walked away and I just felt the Holy Spirit said, send her a bunch of flowers. So I just sent her a bunch of flowers. I don't know, 90 bucks. Um, anyway, it really moved her. Then our dog died. So I stopped walking in the dog park, as you do. Anyway, a few weeks ago, in the middle of vision and mission, which was really busy, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and find the lady in the park. And I said, oh, yeah, but she, work, she walks at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Can't we wait till daylight savers is finished? And I kept getting it, so I did. I set my alarm for 6 o'clock, went down to the park. She gave me another health report. We caught up, and I just can sense there's something happening with this random stranger that I love. The Holy Spirit lives in the margin and in the nudges. So keep enough margin. All right, the next one I want to say, acts of kindness is a random acts is a reach out. The next one is this, the woman at the well, your gift is your weapon. John 4, story of Jesus. He was tired. The disciples had gone into town. So he sits by a well. He meets a Samaritan woman. And Jewish men never spoke to women, let alone a Samaritan woman. And we pick up from verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what's he doing there? He started operating in the prophetic, normal conversation, but he's started operating in the prophetic and his words of wisdom. Um, and he can sense that she's dissatisfied, so he turns it into a spiritual conversation. She wasn't ready. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here. She's still in the natural. He told her, go call your husband. Now he's going into the words of knowledge. Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right, you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. So Jesus is opening her up. She's thinking, wow. And her heart opens and he eventually tells her that he's the Messiah. Then she goes into her town and tells everyone, come and meet this man who told me everything about him. Your gift is your anointing. It's your strength. You think everybody's got it. But they haven't. What gift has he given you? The gift that is on your life. I don't care how plain and ordinary it looks. It is not ordinary. It is supernatural and it goes like a bridge into the hearts of people. You don't have to have my gift. I don't want to have your gift. Use your gift to reach out. I'm going to ask Lizzie to come. Yes. 
Lizzie's got a beautiful gift of hospitality, but as she's coming, I've got to tell you, it doesn't matter if you've got the gift of hospitality. This is one gift that the Holy Spirit says, all of us be hospital. But I am Lizzie's mother-in-law. Aren't you blessed, Liz, to have me as your mother-in-law? I just say yes, it doesn't matter how you feel. And Lizzie has got the most amazing gift of hospitality. So I want to ask you, Liz, um, how do you use your gift of hospitality to reach people out there? I don't know if I have the gift, but do. I do. Okay, but hospitality. I'm going to interrupt. When, you, when you've got a gift, sometimes you don't think you have a gift, so you need others to say, you've got a gift, you've got a gift. Okay, I've got it, I've got it. Okay, hospitality is my gift. <laughs> anyway, um, it's always been a core value of mine, hospitality, and it's been a core value of my marriage. Um, that's been, I always wanted my home to be open to people, and it's been modelled to be by my, my parents. I come from Malaysia, but, you know, growing up, um, we would, people would know that we were Christians in a Muslim country, but they also knew that we knew how to throw a great party. And um, <laughs> that's right. But we would have people over and it was at our dinner table that we would have the most incredible um, conversations with people of different backgrounds, religions. Um, and so I think what I would use is creating a relaxed atmosphere um, in your home and creating a safe environment and just serving people. Um, and people get a sense, they can sense that you value them when you truly serve them and just open your home up. And um, it creates pathways, I think, for people who would never go to church or would never step into the church building, but they would step into my home. So I think that's some of the things that, yeah, I would use. What, you just, what would you say to the people like me who are just good at putting a barbecue on, buying some fresh bread and getting a mixed salad from Coles? Do you think that still works? Yes, definitely. Like I said, it's just about serving them. So you want to go above and beyond. Be hospitable, you know, put something on, be generous. And you don't have to have a big house. I don't have a lot of money. It's just about loving people and serving them. And just last question, uh, can you tell us an example of where that has made a difference in someone's life? Yeah. So um, I became friends with a girl younger than I was um, and we started going to the gym together and um, one day I felt like, no, she's very open and um, I want to build my relationship with her a bit more. So every Friday after going to the gym, I would ask her to come back to my home and I'd cook her dinner. So every Friday for months this would go on where we'd go to the gym and she'd come home with me and um, we'd just have dinner. I'd throw a meal and we'd sit there and just chat and have a great conversation. And uh, bit by bit she started opening up a lot about her life and some of her struggles. And um, I really, yeah, I really had a chance to speak with her and, and just pray with her and, and it was yeah, we really built that relationship and I could see that something was happening in her life. And today, I, I think I can still see the fruit of those Friday dinners that, that we had, yeah. Thanks, Lizzie. Give her a hand. I really appreciate that. So good. All right, so there's a list, list of gifts going up there. They're just random. Some of them are spiritual gifts, some of them are Rosier gifts, but you need to know your gift. You know, I'm a great connector. I ask questions. I ask questions till I draw tears. Mark will be nudging me. Stop asking questions, Ros. 
So what's your gift? It's extraordinary, your gift. You can use your gift. One day, actually, we're going to be held accountable for how we used our gifts. And the last one is the person of peace. Who is your person of peace? Mark 10 says this. Jesus said, do not go, he's talking to his disciples, do not go among the Gentiles or any town, any town of the Samaritans. He's giving them a boundary. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take any gold, silver or copper with you. No bag for the journey or extra shirt. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for someone worthy of worthy person and stay at their house until you leave as you enter the home give it your greeting if the home is deserving let your peace rest on it if it is not let your peace return to you if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet truly I tell you it will be more bearable for Sodom so Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment for that town so Jesus is teaching us in Mark 10 how to reach and he's saying this Find your person of peace. As you walk around in your world, you will meet people of peace. He's saying, what's a person of peace? A person of peace is someone who welcomes you, someone who likes you, someone who is open to you. In the New Testament, it was someone that opened a hole, was like the gateway or entry for their whole social group. The Samaritan woman was a person of peace. Um, they are not hostile to you. The Holy Spirit is already working on them. So wh why that, Ros? Well, I've got to tell you, you've only got so much energy. Be friends with everyone. But invest in the ones where the Holy Spirit is already working. You think about a farmer. Where does he sow his seed? He doesn't sow his seed on, on the concrete, on the dry ground. He looks for the good soil, the rich soil, because he's intelligent. He thinks, oh, I want to harvest. So he sows the seed in good soil. Lizzie's exactly right. She's sowing the seed in the right soil. You all have a person of peace. Who is your person of peace? They like you for some, some unexplainable reason. They like you. They really like you. They're open to you because they're open to the Holy Spirit. You know, Dan wanted us to do, I'm going to ask the band to come up. Dan wanted us to do a Easter dinner party. And last year we had our neighbours over and that was an amazing experience. But this year I decided to ask my person of peace for a walk and a coffee. And I shouted a coffee. And while she was on the walk, she asked me this question from the Bible. So we had a good talk. And when she left, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, text her and see if next time you meet, she will read the Bible with you. So it's something different to the Easter dinner parties, but we go with a nudge. And this is a, I'll tell you how, I haven't done it yet, but I texted her. I said, dear such and such, next time we meet, can we go for a walk? And you know how you ask me that question, how about we read just a little bit from the Bible? And we see what we're getting out of it and then I pray for you would that be all right she texts back I would really enjoy that that's a little bit of discipling outside of the church who is your person of peace we're going to finish differently today in the back of your seats is a piece of paper get it out it's called I'm praying for 
And in a minute, if you have someone on your heart or a person of peace, I want you to write their name on that paper. The band is going to lead us in a great song. And when you finish writing the, the name on that paper, I want you to come out and put it in a box. Because this year the word is go. And as a church, we're going to commit to praying for your person that you put on the paper. And we're going to also pray for opportunities like I had. You know, I pray for my school friends regularly. I've got their photo in my Bible. I only see them once a year. We go to the pub for lunch down in Sydney. And the Holy Spirit's, I, you get a bit discouraged. You think, well, they're not really shifting spiritually. I'm praying for them, God, but I can't, from year to year, I can't really see them shifting spiritually. And he said this to me. He said, Ros, because you're praying, I'm going to make sure each one of them gets an opportunity to receive me before they die. Because I tell you what prayer does. It takes the concrete ground to the, so the rich soil. You need to change the atmosphere over people's lives. So, uh, once you've written their name, as we sing this song, I want you to come out and put that. If you haven't got anybody on your heart, don't worry. Don't worry. It's not a, we're not watching each other thinking, gee, that person didn't go out. <laughs> we're also going to stand and sing. So I know some of you are going to be sitting and writing. Some of you are going to be standing and singing. It's going to be a bit messy. Some of you are going to come out and put that in the box. But that's how we roll. All right. Thanks, band. Beautiful song. We know the world needs Jesus. We know our world needs freedom. So give us eyes to see.
beautiful. I'm going to ask Julie Trigg to come and pray for these one, these names. While she comes, I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want to give a call out for anyone who's never received Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never been reconciled to your Creator, He loves you. He sent His Son. If that is you and you would like to come home, if you would like to receive Christ into your life while every eye is closed, I want you to put your hands straight up in the air so I can see. You say, Roz, this morning, that's me. I want to receive Christ into my life. Anyone across this room? Thank you. All right, let's pray in faith, Julie. Go for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every single name that was written down this morning. Father God, even those that haven't been written up, Father God, those are in the hearts of people. Father God, we know that every life matters to you, Father God, and you care for each each name that's been written on this paper this morning. Father God, we just pray, Father God, and we thank you, Lord, that our prayers make a difference, Father God. We pray for opportunities, Father God, to bring them into your kingdom, Father God. We pray that not one of them would be lost, Father God, to the world, Father God, that everyone would come to know you, Father God. Those that have even just pulled away a little bit, Father God, let them just step further, Father God. I just pray, Lord, that you would just touch their hearts, Father God. Let their blindfolds be taken off, Father God. Let them see the truth, Father God. Father God, use us, Lord, to be able to share your love, to share your grace, Father God, to share your forgiveness, Father God. Let them know that there is a way. You are the way, Father God, that there is a hope in you, Lord Jesus, and that it's not, it's not too late. It's not too hard. They're not too far gone, Father God, that there is hope in you, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord, that you can use us for us to be able to reach them, to bring them back to you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.